I'd like to, to read with you a verse that uh, in many ways for me uh, sums up the whole message and, and meaning of Easter. Uh, it's a short verse, it's taken from Psalm 22 and verse 31. And it reads like this. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it that he has done it this was written a long time before the first Easter these words were written hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus died and and rose again they were written by King David written during a period of his life of, of great difficulty and as he often did. He, he put his, his thoughts, his prayers in writing. He had learned this great secret in difficult times of pouring out his heart and his soul to the Lord in prayer. And, and he wrote them down in these wonderful Psalms of which this is a, only one of them. And yet, as he did that, he, he had an unusual experience. An unusual experience that the New Testament gives us insight into, which was this, that he was being carried along by the Holy Spirit of God. They weren't just his own words. They were the words of God. And so he found himself writing about things that went beyond his own experience, that were deeper, that were of greater significance, that gave reference to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, who all these years later would walk upon the earth. And as he brings this to a conclusion, this very final statement of this psalm, he doesn't write, interestingly, I have done it. He writes, he has done it. I mean, you could understand some of his admirers writing the former. People who had watched him in his early days as a youth, when he had gone out alone against the giant Goliath, nobody gave him a chance, and yet he did it. Maybe that was the headline in the Jewish Chronicle the next morning. He did it. We could hardly believe it, but he won and he did it. Maybe, maybe years later when he eventually did become king and he ascended to the throne of the nation, and, and people shook their heads at that. They could hardly believe that that had come true for someone who for years had been chased and had been harried by King Saul. Spent his life like a, a partridge on the mountains, it says. Hiding in caves, refugees in the wilderness, running for his life. And yet eventually he actually does become king. And does he write? I've done it. No, he doesn't. It's he has done it. He's talking about the Messiah that is to come. What has he done? Just two things we're going to talk about very briefly. First of all, he's talking about the death of Christ. He describes what was done to Christ in this psalm. Terrible things. People behaving atrociously. People who he describes behaved like animals. 
wild animals in their viciousness towards the Lord Jesus, whose hands and feet they would pierce and who they would kill upon the cross, surrounding him, harrying him to death, behaving in this way. But although he describes that, he has something more to say, not about what was done to him, but what was done by him. He's done it. He's achieved something. Because you see, the Lord Jesus himself said about his work, he said, you know, my meat and my drink, it's to do the will of him who sent me and, and to finish his work. It's not going to be half-baked. It's not going to be half-done. I'm going to finish this. He also said, I have glorified you, Father, on this earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. And of course, these were his words upon the cross. Words that were loud words in a triumphant tone when he said, it is finished. His task was to bring salvation to lost humanity. To bring pardon and forgiveness for the sins that we've all committed in breaking the law of God. And the price had to be paid for that. And the Lord Jesus paid that. I was reminded recently of how our national poet put it in one of his famous poems, The Cotter's Saturday Night. That guiltless blood for guilty man was shed. And that's what, that's what he did upon the cross. The issue of our sin was dealt with. Secondly, it has to do with the resurrection. We travel therefore in our minds as we have been doing during the course of the service uh, from the cross of Calvary to Joseph's tomb in the garden those three days later. A tomb where these two men laid that pierced and bruised and lifeless body of the Lord Jesus. But a tomb that is now empty with the stone rolled away and a saviour who is alive. And, And the word that comes to us as we look there as we travel with the women and with some of the disciples is he's done it. He has done it. He has defeated that great enemy, death. And the monster who had the power of death, that is the devil. You might remember that Jesus once told a parable. And the parable went like this. He said, how can anybody ever hope to disarm a, a, a strong man. How, how, how can he ever hope to, to spoil a strong man's goods and his possessions unless he first of all disarms the strong man? And once he does that, he then can take his possessions from his household. And this is exactly what happens at the resurrection of Christ. The strong man, the monster Satan, who holds the power of death. Christ enters into the strong man's house and strips him and takes his armor and binds him and rises from the dead with the great hope that for those who have faith in him that they too will live also like Christ. I am uh, just finished reading a book uh, about the Second World War. 
1938, September, Munich. Uh, the famous meeting between uh, Hitler and Neville Chamberlain, um, trying to avert war at that time. And uh, there was great excitement in Munich and also in this country. And uh, the book describes uh, the, the streets full of people cheering in Munich when Chamberlain came out of the, the building after his meeting with Hitler. And when the plane ra- arrived uh, here in Britain again, uh, it was surrounded by press and, and people and the, the line, the streets in London were lined and the mall was lined. And the, the word that went up was that Chamberlain has done it. Chamberlain has averted war. There's not going to be a war in Europe. An agreement has been made and he was feted at the time because of his efforts. They thought he'd done it. And it was only a couple of years later when, of course, as we all know, war did break out and appeasement had not been successful at all. We know that when we come and we read this today about Christ having done it, that, that that's not a false dawn. That's not a phantom. That's not something that's just a fantasy. And it's, it's never going to come to pass. With, with a sense of certainty on this Easter Sunday, we look to Calvary and we see he's done it. Sin has been dealt with. We look to the empty tomb and we say that he has done it. Sin has been destroyed. There is the hope beyond the grave for the believer of being in heaven and being with Christ who is the first fruits of them that slept. And so today, as we think about that, what characterizes Christianity as being different from everything else is we don't talk about what I need to do or what I have done. Or what I think I'm going to do. What we talk about is what he has done. And how that's where we rest. That's where we place our faith. In Christ and what he has done in his death and resurrection. And that is our message. That's really what that final verse is saying. It's talking about a new generation. It's talking about the next generation. And what he's saying is this, that we're going to come and we're going to proclaim his righteousness to a people that are yet unborn. And our message will always be the same. And it has to be this. He's done it. Christ has done it. Let's give thanks. Lord, what a wonderful, triumphant message of confidence and assurance this Easter Sunday as we think about the death and resurrection of Christ and all that that has achieved in pardoning our sins and giving us the hope of life, eternal life with Christ if we place our faith and trust in him. Thank you that we can rest on our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done, not thinking that we need to achieve or work for our salvation ourselves, but rest in the finished work of Christ. Thank you for this time when we've been able to give our praise and worship and reflect on the words of Scripture and think about all that he is. Receive our thanks in his precious name. Amen.